This Wednesday, the 2012 NFL season begins. Thus the reason why I donned this sacred vestment this morning. I'm excited. To, uh, I'm, I'm, in high school, I wasn't into football. I, you know, if I'm going to be honest, uh, the guys I hung out with, we fought the football players. And we stole their girls. Uh, but that's for another time. So, but uh, as I've gotten older, I've uh, enjoyed watching football, gotten uh, into it, learning about it. Um, most of what I know I learned off playing Madden uh, and hanging out with people that do know. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it is inspiring to watch a game. Whether you're into football or not, um, there's probably some sport that you watch where you can watch a person, how they perform in a moment that really just defies imagination. And it's inspiring. There's something about the game, something about sports where there's, there is a certain purity about it. Um, you know, if it, where, you know, their metal is tested in the moment. And for an hour or whatever, um, everything is going to be left on the field or on the court. Uh, there's a few players in the NFL that inspire me. Um, Ben Roethlisberger is one. Uh, he has his issues. I would get a different jersey, but this costs 300 bucks. So, and you bought it for me, many of you. So <laughs> that's not happening. Um, another guy that I really enjoy in the NFL is also um, his Steeler teammate. It's Troy Polamalu. Now, you might know him better as the guy who is in the Head and Shoulders commercials. Uh, Troy Polamalu, uh, besides playing for USC, the University of Southern California, which Another positive for me. Uh, he was the NFL 2010 Defensive Player of the Year. This guy is amazing. And also, he is a possessor of sexy hair. <laughs> Believe it or not, uh, Pert, or not Pert, um, Head and Shoulders took out a million-dollar insurance policy on his hair. True story. Um, I want you to take a look at some of the highlights from him playing. He, I believe he's number 40, 43. So you'll see him on the field. Uh, but take a look at Troy as he plays. I mean, if I did one of those tackles, I would be like uh, laying, laid up for a week. That dude is crazy. Just amazing. It's impressive uh, and inspiring to watch someone like Troy be able to respond in a moment of completely unpredictable circumstances. One of his strengths is his ability to improvise, um, to be able to read what's going on in the offense and respond appropriately in the moment. Um, it's just incredible to watch what he's, what he's able to do. I find myself asking, how does he do that? I mean, what, how, does he, how is he doing that? And obviously part of it is his athleticism. It would be easy just to chalk it up to the fact if he's, you know, he's a football superman. You know, he's a football god. It's all just pure, raw talent. But the truth is, is that there's more to it than that. What if Troy discovered um, something? What if Troy discovered a key that many other awe-inspiring people throughout human history have also discovered? And what if this key could make all the difference in how we respond in life's unforeseen circumstances? Because we all get hit by unforeseen circumstances. What if there's something, a key that would help us 
to respond, uh, respond better under the pressure? And what if there is a key that would help us in all areas of our life, but uh, nowhere more than in our life as a follower of Christ? If you have your Bible, grab it. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy, again, uh, like Jude, is a letter. Uh, tradition would tell us that this is written by the Apostle Paul to a young pastor named Timothy. A young pastor in a very, very challenging situation. There's a lot going on in this particular church that he's working with. A lot going on. Um, at one point in the letter toward the end, uh, Paul tells Timothy, you should have a little wine for your stomach's sake. Because, uh, you know, what all was going on there, I don't know. And certainly in the ancient world, they used wine for medicinal purposes. I don't think Paul was saying, hey, go get hammered. Uh, that's certainly not what Paul is saying. But you can get a sense of the pressure that Timothy was under um, as, a, as a young pastor in this situation. So in chapter 4, uh, we're going to read verses 7 through 10. Paul writes, Have nothing to do... With godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us in these next few moments, illuminate illuminate our hearts. Give us eyes that see, ears that hear what your Spirit is saying. Lord, help me. Help me to get out of the way this morning. So that you would speak what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. There actually is a lot in in this verse, but there's just one idea that I want to bring up. One big idea this morning from this text. And that's this. A key to successfully living the Christian life is training. The key to the successful Christian life is training. I don't want to overstate my case here. Because the key, the supreme key is the grace of God. God's love and his grace and his spirit and his activity in our life. That would enable us to train. Now that's that's the the truest key of successful Christian living. But I would say, as I would say, that a second is training. Training. Uh, I've been in ministry, public Christian public ministry, for 15 years now, and uh, across that time, I've run across many people who've just said, "You know, Steve, the Christian life just doesn't work for me. You know, I do the stuff or whatever." 
but don't seem to see any results ever. You know, I don't see God answer any of my prayers or nothing ever changes in my life or, you know, I just, it just doesn't work for me. And I found myself over the last few years um, wanting to ask them this question. Is it really that the Christian life doesn't work or is it that you don't work it? That you don't work it out? It's a legit question, I think. I think we need to be careful on your handout. And I just, for whatever reason, got a wild hair this week and decided to make handouts. Um, I put a, um, a little space for you to write a caution. You know, there's not a slide for this, but I think it's important that we mention this. Uh, we, and you can word it however you want, but I think we must be careful not to impose our definition of inspirational success on God. It's kind of a disclaimer. I think it's important that we not impose our definition of inspirational success on God. We must focus on being faithful and allow God to define success in our lives. We must focus on being faithful and allow God to define success in our lives. Let God show us what success really looks like for us, for each one of us. With that said, I think about Jesus in uh, John 5 and 4. Jesus says, among other things, everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. This is our victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. See, in Christ, each one of us has been infused with spiritual talent and ability. We've been infused with spiritual talent and ability. As, I mean, and it's impossible to wrap our minds around this. But the creator of the universe, God, the Holy Spirit, has taken up residence in our life. That's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. There is, there is spiritual talent and ability in each one of us that is far beyond anything we've ever dared to imagine. Ever dared to imagine or dream of. I think back, um, I heard a really funny debate one time at an Applebee's. Um, by two guys who I'm calling Rick and Willie. <laughs> it was an intense debate over whether, whether or not Rick was athletic or whether he was an athlete. I think Rick was claiming he was an athlete, and Willie was saying, no, you're athletic. Um, it was a hilarious conversation. To hear them go back and forth. You know, what makes a person athletic as opposed to an athlete? My take at the end of the day um, was that an athletic person has the natural ability and uh, some, some natural talent when it came to um, uh, particular sports. But an athlete was a person who committed themselves to developing that talent. You know, I don't know if that's gospel or not, but that's, that's the way that... That's the way that I viewed it, and since Rick certainly wasn't committed to developing his talent as an athlete. <laughs> um, but in Christ, each one of us are spiritually athletic. 
spiritually infused with ability far beyond anything we've dared to imagine or dream at this point. The question is, will you become a spiritual athlete by committing yourself to developing your spiritual athleticism through training? The Apostle Paul writes in his letter to the Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians, in chapter 9, verses 25 through 27. He says, everyone who competes in the games, parentheses right here, the games he's speaking of are the Isthmian games, which are like the Olympic games. Those are what he had in mind. And the people of Corinth would have understood, um, they would have known what those games were. So you just saw the Olympics this summer, so that's kind of what you want to have in your mind. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. The big idea here is that a key to successful Christian living, to to doing this stuff, living as a Christian successfully, is training. Is training. You can't... The idea we're picking up from Jesus and Paul and uh, all throughout the New and Old Testament is the idea that living out this life of faith uh, requires us to do something. That we can't just sit back and say, well, God's going to do it all. Now, God, could he do it all? I, uh, I don't know, I guess. Other parts of me say no. But, you know, to sit and speculate, coulda, shoulda, woulda, God, you know, is pointless. God actually designed this and created us and redeemed us in Christ so that we would work in partnership with him. It's a great mystery, really. But it's impossible, the idea that, that we'll, be, we'll be actually successfully living out the Christian life without any effort on our part whatsoever. I ran across another video I want you to take a look at. It's going to show you the key to Troy Palamalu's success. Take a look at this one. The off-season, you know, like summer vacation. That's what that guy's workout regimen looks like. You know, um, just intense, you know, uh, most days of the week for a long time. So when we see him on the field and we watch him do all these incredible things, uh, he's able to perform that way on game day because of what he did when nobody else was looking. The stuff that, that he was doing um, when other people were hanging out at Fat Burger. <laughs> right? The stuff he was doing when other people are chilling. He's in the gym. I mean, and you could see it's a very unique workout regimen he's doing. But there's the key. There's the key to what makes Troy Palamalu great. What he does on the field is determined by what he does off the field. There's a key. How we respond in the moments when the pressure is on is largely determined by what we do when the pressure is off. How we respond in the moment when the pressure is on is largely determined 
by what we have done when the pressure was off. The key to the successful Christian life is training. Training. Paul held up the idea of like an Olympic athlete and their commitment to training themselves to be able to perform. If you've watched real athletes train and what they go through, you know that it's hard work. It's sweat. It's, it's hurt. It hurts. You know, it can be painful at times. It can be boring at times. It can be monotonous. It's the last thing you want to do is wake up, you know, at four in the morning, have an unsatisfying breakfast and go work out for several hours. And some people get to the point where they like that. Those people are sick. Um, <laughs> But for the rest of us, you know, I think that's why they're forever inventing new workout machines. You know what I'm convinced of? Is that if you bought any of those workout machines on TV, they would all work. Right? I mean, if you just did jumping jacks every day physically, they would work. In fact, I will teach you how to do the ultimate jumping jack this week for a small fee of $29.95. And if you will do it faithfully every day, a hundred times, you will see your body change. It's going to be insane. I'll give you a (laughs) t-shirt. The fact is, is that people get, I I don't know how many exercise, pieces of exercise equipment I've bought. And then I sell them at the church garage sale. They would all work if I would work them. Isn't that true though? But I see a new one on TV and finally that looks like fun. Until you get it. Then you start to use it and you're like, this is not fun at all. I'm sweating. It hurts. It looks so much more fun when those people on TV were doing it. Yeah, they're always smiling. What what a joke. A joke. I remember I really wanted to try the gazelle thing when it came out. Didn't you guys ever see that? You're like, just looked like a blast, right? I'm sure that thing sucks to do. I can just imagine. It's just painful. Um, But there's the idea that Paul is throwing out. He's equating. He's equating a certain, certain, in a certain sense, our spiritual lives are like that. And if we actually want to live up to our potential in Christ, actually do the stuff that Jesus called us and wants us to do, we must train. There is no other way. There is no other way. The key to successful Christian living is training. What does spiritual training look like? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Thought about it this week and I came up with this. Here's the basics. The very, very basics of spiritual fitness. I do have a slide for this and this is also fill in the blanks on your handout. I mean, these are just the basics. Giving you time to write it down for those of you guys who are doing that. You know, and there's other spiritual disciplines that could be added uh, to this list. 
uh, many more that I think are tremendous. Um, but bottom line, bottom line spiritual fitness is this. And I would say there's probably no exception. Every Christian ought to be involved in these. Like I can see why some Christians will not practice like several months of silence because you might get fired on your job. So luckily there's some monks that get to do that for us. Um, So there's some spiritual disciplines that just wouldn't be practical for some of us. But these are practical for all of us, at least all of us in this room. And I don't see a way around skipping any of these. The basic spiritual fitness, the T, and obviously I'm using the, the word train. Is this an acronym? Is that what it would be called? An acronym? Okay. So I get conf- that confused with the other word. Is it acronym and acrostic? Are those the same things? Are they synonymous? <laughs> I don't know. Well, let's just call it an acronym. The T in train stands for time in prayer. Time in prayer. Really, there's no way around this. I mean, really, no way around it. Just going to be honest. That would be like having, you know, having being a Christian in a relationship with God. When we don't pray is like being married and never talking to your spouse. Although on some days, that sounds like a good idea. Um, but you can't go through an ongoing marriage relationship with absolutely no talking. It's like, whatever, Steve. Mute people do. Whatever. <laughs> you know. But just on a practice, I mean, seriously, to have a relationship means communication. Communication and prayer isn't all about us telling God stuff. It's sometimes it's about God telling us stuff. So there really is just absolute, I mean, just being honest, there's no way around this. I think one of the biggest problems, to be honest, the reason, I think a key reason why the church in America is where it is um, in the in the, uh, the bad ways, how we've lost our influence in America, um, and how we have so many empty seats on a regular basis, is a direct result of prayerlessness. A direct result of prayerlessness, not only in the pew or the chair, but also in the pulpit. Because we rely heavily on technique and gimmick to grow the church um, as opposed to God. Prayerlessness is, um, will make us incredibly weak and ineffective in actually doing God's stuff. Time and prayer, absolutely essential. No way out of it. And I know this is rough, but no excuses. We all have time. Don't lie. Just don't lie about it. Oh, I'm just so busy. No, you're not. I see you on Facebook. Posting all your memes. Whatever. You have time. You don't need to follow up on somebody you haven't talked to in 10 years. Oh, I hope his girlfriend's ugly. (laughs) I knew she would get large. I knew it. (laughs) 
I know, this is just, I'm digressing big time. So we all can find time for prayer. Absolutely essential. The second is reflection on the scripture. Um, Opening the Bible, reading it, reflecting on it, studying it. Also, a non-negotiable. And yes, you have time. Yes, you do. Absolutely, you do. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've said, oh, I just don't have time to go to the gym and work out. Look what happened. (laughs) Ran into a guy yesterday sewing on some patches at Arizona Biker Leathers. I haven't seen a dude in three years. I'm happy with myself. I've recently lost about 30 pounds. He saw me, and he said, wow, you've gained weight. (laughs) I was feeling so good about myself. Apparently, three years ago, I looked a lot better. You know, there's consequences to making excuses about not having time to do the stuff we have to do. You all are blessed with the gift of reading. There it is. Finding time to reflect on the scriptures, to study the scriptures. Um, The A in train stands for accountability. Accountability within authentic Christian community. This is the team. This is the team that God put together. God picked you in the draft. You're a valuable player. You're a valuable part of what he has decided to do in the world. And he put us together uh, as a team at Emmaus Road. And having, it's always, have you noticed, it's always easier, those of you who've tried to go to the gym, It's always easier to maintain your workout schedule if you have a buddy. And that buddy should not be your spouse, generally speaking. Because it's just too easy to tell your spouse to shut up. (laughs) It's just too easy to go, ah, you know, talk your spouse out of it. You know, I know Julie really well. I could talk her out of going to the gym anytime I wanted just by saying, you know, why don't we go to Apple? Why don't Why don't we go to Olive Garden today? She knows I'm right, though. You know, Steve, you are right. It is healthy those soups, salads, and breadsticks. But having a relationship with someone who is not our spouse um, will help us. Nick and I have been working out uh, training in martial arts. You know, there are some Tuesdays that I just don't really feel like training. But the fact is, I know Nick's going to be here, and I need to get off my butt and go down there and work out. You know, and then there are times when I'm sure that goes the opposite way, where Nick knows I'm going to be there. So it's, it's nice to have accountability, real relationships within a Christian community that challenge us to move on. Because I'm going to be honest, there's going to be days when you don't feel like spiritually training. We all have those days. But that doesn't mean you can quit. Because there are consequences to quitting. The I in train stands for involvement in the mission. There's no spectators in the church. No spectators whatsoever. We're all on the field. And we all must be involved. Now, we all don't do the same thing. You know, not everybody's going to sing like Julie or play the drums like the animal over there. You know? But we all have 
we all have giftings and talents. And in being involved in the mission is absolutely critical. I have found this. You will learn more by doing than by hearing. You learn more by doing. I don't know if this was a good idea or not, but I had a pastor one time who his theory was, as if you want somebody to learn, really to learn the Bible, make them a Sunday school teacher. <laughs> I was teaching Sunday school before I ever read the whole Bible through. True story. I was learning it as I went. Not a great idea, necessarily, but you'll learn more by doing. You got to do. You must do. You got to do the do. You got to do it. No way around it. Involvement is absolutely critical. And the N in train, obviously, I cheated on that one. <laughs> I'm saying the N stands for investment in the kingdom. Investing in the kingdom. Uh, prim primarily, um, primarily here, we're dealing with the idea of of giving, and it does, it does have a financial aspect to it. You know, if you want to, I mean, just, just, obviously I'm not going to be preaching on tithing and giving today, but I mean, it's just kind of simple. If you want to find, if I wanted to find out what's, what's really important in your life, two things I would need. You know, your, I guess it would be a little different today. This is a really old saying, but uh, I would need to take a look at your schedule and your checkbook. Your schedule and your checkbook will tell me all I need to know about what's important in your life. Tell me everything I need to know. And at some point, you know, when things become incredibly important to us, we give toward them. And that's incredibly important. But it's not just about finances. It's about our time, our talents, and our treasure. It's about getting to the point where church isn't about all about what it does for me. Ask not what your church could do for you. But what you could do for your church. Or for God. It's about getting to the point where we, we are giving and investing and serving where we're using our time, our talent, and our treasure. Where we're investing in the things that God really cares about. I would say that those, those five right there are the basics, basics of spiritual fitness. Some of you guys probably should recognize this. Back in youth ministry, I used habits. So in other words, for those of you who have been were in my youth ministry, you've heard this for nine years. Nine years. That's a long time. It's like you could boil down all my messages. Or 90% of my messages right here. Doing the stuff. It's like, great, Steve. Now I don't need to come to church next week because I know what you're talking about. This is the basics of spiritual fitness. If we want to succeed spiritually, we got to follow the greatest, follow the example of the greatest spiritual master of all time, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, the way he worked this stuff out would have been a little different. 
But we see in his life, in the life of Paul, in the life of other great saints, that this was standard Christian living, spiritual fitness. We've got to follow his example. If we're going to call ourselves followers of Christ, we need to follow his example by making this kind of spiritual training a priority in our weekly routine. It's got to be. See, through Christ, you have what it takes to rise above the challenges that come your way. You've been infused with spiritual talent and ability. But whether you'll live up to that has a lot to do with what you're going to do with it. Will you make the commitment to be a spiritual athlete? In Christ, you have been reborn to be not just a survivor of this life, but more than a conqueror. That's the potential that's in you. Whether or not you're going to live up to that potential in Christ is highly dependent on whether or not you will follow him by training yourself toward godliness. Training yourself toward godliness. This is an incredibly important year for our church. This is it. This is it. Game on. Starting next week. I have no idea what this, fu- this, this year is going to hold for us. No idea whatsoever. But I'm convinced of one thing. What we are going to do this year will be largely dependent on what each of us are doing when no one's looking. And we can never substitute gimmick for that. As a pastor, I need each of you this year. I need each of you to bring your A game to the field. Each of you. No spectators. No one sitting on the sidelines. We've got important kingdom of God stuff to be involved in. We're about God's business. Don't be spiritually flabby. Train yourself.